You're listening to Bible Truth Feed, a podcast by Christadelphianvideo.org for Christadelphians and all those seeking the truth about the Bible message. Join us now as we present our latest episode. Whatever happened to the Tower of Babel? Hello and welcome to Bible Truth Feed, a podcast by ChristadelphianVideo.org. One of the world's first skyscrapers is recorded in the Bible. It was a marvel of its time, much like some of the impressive skyscrapers we see in the cities of Toronto and Dubai. So why was it abandoned? What did stop its progress? Listen to this episode to find out more. Certainly a rather intriguing and perplexing question about whatever happened to Babel, this tower that was constructed as recorded in the early chapters of the record of Genesis. And in many ways, it is somewhat of a mystery. And, and we're able to investigate its origins and perhaps its reoccurrence through the framework of the Bible, which is rather exciting. It gives us the ability to, to use the Bible as a, a bit of a... Uh, a diagnostic or investigation tool to help to come to a clear picture of whatever occurred with this particular Tower of Babel. Now, when we think of the, the tower itself, it's helpful to perhaps put it into a framework from uh, a historical perspective. And here we see an account that's recorded in the earlier chapters of Genesis. And in many ways, it falls midway between two other significant actions or activities. The one which preceded it was the flood of Noah in which the, the, the world was deluged in, in water and that there were only eight uh, human beings that were spared by uh, boarding the ark and being safely secured by God. And on to the, the right of that timeline, we have the individual called Abram or Abraham, who is going to come into the foreground of the biblical record immediately after the, the Tower of Babel. So this action was somewhat pivotal in what was going to occur within the, the timeline of man and how it would be impacted uh, by the intervention of God in this particular endeavor. So it's quite interesting to look at that from, from an overall time period. We see that we're perhaps just a, a little less than um, 2,000 years from the time of creation in which we have the construction of the Tower of Babel. That helps us to understand um, what would have been occurring and how the population would in fact have recovered after the, the time period of the flood with perhaps just over three uh, centuries. So when we think about this record in our Bible, we find that for us in Genesis chapter 11. It's a rather short account in which we'll try to delve into the details in particular. But here, as was commented on in the opening video, we're dealing with a structure that was erected in the vicinity of modern-day Iraq. We're going to be able to pick up evidence from the Bible to try to pinpoint its whereabouts. But here we have these first few details provided for us in Genesis chapter 11, where we're told, now the whole earth had one language and the same words. And that's quite different from what we see today, where we've got uh, numerous languages, in some cases spoken in a single country. But here there was a, a, a unity of language, which allowed the people to converse and interact um, and to be able to uh, engage in certain endeavors. And then we're told in verse two, and as the people migrated from the east, 
So after venturing away from the, uh, the, the ark where it would have landed, uh, when the, the, the people departed and the animals left the ark, they journeyed east and they found a plain in the land of Shinar and settled there. So this was a large expanse within the area of Shinar. And as you can see from the slide, in the original Hebrew language, Shinar means uh, a country of two rivers. It was in a plain of Babylon. And as you can see, it was situated in between those two principal arteries, that being the Euphrates and the Tigris. These were those two rivers that were associated with this name. And on this flat uh, piece of land, they set about to build a structure. They sought to settle there. They sought to put down roots and to start to, to, to grow their community. And we have this described for us in the third verse of that chapter. And they said to one another, come, let us make bricks and burn them thoroughly. And they had brick for stone and bitumen men for mortar, or there's in the King James version, it's as slime for mortar, but it was actually bitumen, so a, a, a viscous, thick hydrocarbon that could be used to, in fact, glue these stones together such that they would become a, a rigid, un, unified structure. But it was quite a, a, an endeavor that they were uh, being involved in. And in verse four, we've told, then they said, come and let us build ourselves a city and a tower with its top in the heavens, and let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be dispersed over the face of the whole earth. So we have described for us here in this fourth, or fourth verse, what's some of the motivation? What was the uh, impetus for them developing or erecting this tower and how it was part of a, a larger, larger city structure? And they had aspirations that it would be of some significant stature that it would be quite high. It would be that skyscraper as described in our opening video uh, of the Old Testament. And they're told, let us make a name for ourselves. So there was some aspiration for recognition to be able to associate their heritage with the city and with this tower to perhaps sort of put their, their place on the map as far as a society. And verse five continues, and the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the children of man had built. So despite their aspirations that it would reach in the top of heavens, certainly we're given indication here that it was not of that grand elevation and ultimately the Lord had to come down to see it. But it's helpful to sort of see uh, what were some of their intentions, their desires for wanting to do this. Uh, what was the, the, the Tower of Babel to represent to this people? Now there's different artistic renderings. Here we have two from the same artist, uh, Pieter Bruegel, um, one which was up here in Vienna, the other in, in Rotterdam. So both in uh, museums within Europe. And you can see sort of the basic uh, circular structure that's somewhat telescoping um, so that we have a larger base. And then it, as it seeks to, to build what we would refer to as, as stories, um, that they are in fact decreasing in their, their overall size. But it was a very solid structure uh, as, as presented uh, by this rendering by this artist. And you can see that it was of some uh, size. On the right-hand rendering, the, that picture seems to present it in uh, perhaps uh, at a smaller stature. But when you compare the, the left-hand photo um, of, of this painting, you can see that due to the scale of the people that are very much in a minuscule format uh, or rendering at the base, 
that it was a much grander structure. But regardless, it was here was an enterprise that brought together the abilities, the ingenuity, the labor of the, the ancient world to try to, to build this structure. And as that record would continue now with that picture in our minds of what that tower might've looked like, the, the sixth verse of that 11th chapter continues with this statement. And the Lord said, behold, they are one people and they all have one language. And this is only the beginning of what they will do. And we might stop back and step back and think, well, doesn't that sound positive? They were united. They had a common purpose. They had a focus. But as we'll see, what was their motivation were in, in, uh, directly against what God had given to them by way of divine direction as to how this people were to grow and how they were to, in fact, to be dispersed or distributed uh, around the, the habitable world. And the record would continue and say, and nothing that they proposed to do will now be impossible for them. So there's a hint that there's some motivation, that there's some inclination, that there's something not perhaps quite right with what is uh, compelling these people to build this tower. And there's kind of an interesting verse, although it's not on the slide that I'll share with you that you could take down as a note, where it's told in the book of Exodus, chapter 23 and verse 2, thou shalt not follow a multitude to do evil. And you might stop and think, well, is that really an appropriate reference to, to use in relation to this section of Genesis chapter 11? And we'll see that, that that is in a moment as we look at our next slide. But there was a desire uh, by God that they would uh, that God would confuse their language through the intervention of his angels so that they may not understand one another's speech. To be united with one language gave them uh, uh, an ability to draw together their thinking. But in reality, it was the wrong type of thinking. It was the thinking of man. And as the record would continue, so the Lord dispersed them from there over the face of all the earth. So what they were concerned about was inevitably what happened. And as we commented on in the opening video, one of the reasons why they perhaps erected this tower was they were fearful of there being another flood, which could in fact cause a, a significant loss of life. And we're told that they left off building the city. We're not told that it was destroyed, that it was dismantled, but they left it there as almost a monument, a testimony that there had been a failure that there had been something that had gone wrong in their relationship with their God. Therefore, its name was called Babel, because there the Lord confused the language of all the earth, and from there the Lord dispersed them over the face of all the earth. Now, this association or identity of Babel is recorded for us earlier in Genesis chapter 10, in relation to another individual who had aspirations to build a kingdom to have some renown, to have a place from which he could rule, which helps us to perhaps see the, the associations of this uh, location as having something that would be in opposition to the will of God. And we're told in Genesis 10, verse 10, in the beginning of his kingdom was Babel and Erech and Akkad and Cana in the land of Shinar. So it's the same location. And if you have a Bible uh, center margin, you might see that for Babel or in newer translations, it in fact renders that word as Babylon. So this was the location of, of the Tower of Babel. This was what was the motivation to construct it. And this was how it ran against or in opposition with the will of God, as we'll see in a moment. 
So when we think about this tower, it's helpful to perhaps view it from God's desired perspective in what he had aspired for the people to do and what was to be the focus as designated by God in relation to what man chose to be his perspective. And at times we might see that this is the, the thought process that we need to go through when we make certain cho choices in our life. What does God desire of us? And ultimately, what do we choose? And do are they compatible or in agreement? Because in Genesis chapter 9, verse 1, Noah and his sons and, 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 and daughters and wife, when they left the ark, were given this instruction in the first verse of that chapter. And God blessed Noah and his sons and said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth, which certainly indicates that they were meant to, to spread out, that they were to raise families and they were expected to, to, to move out along the face of the earth, not to congregate. But by contrast, we can see what was the behavior of the people. And as the people migrated from the east, they found a plain in the land of Shinar and settled there. So we need to sort of keep those two points of view alongside each other. What was God's desired perspective and what was man's chosen perspective? When we look at God, he had said at that time, people began to call upon the name of the Lord. They, meant, they associated themselves with their, their God. They were happy to be connected with their God. But from man's perspective, as we saw in Genesis 11, we have described for us, let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be dispersed over the face of the whole earth. There was this desire to have a distinct identity, one of their own making, one that gave them a, a unique uh, uh, visibility uh, and uh, a remembrance uh, of that uh, location where they would reside. In Genesis 3, verses 22 to 23, in speaking to the, the, to the very first individuals that God had created, behold, a man has become like one of us. Therefore, the Lord God sent him out from the Garden of Eden to work the ground from which he was taken. So it was intended to be an agricultural society, one in which you provided enough sustenance for your own family, which allowed you to, to live a, a very simple but a very satisfied lifestyle. But in contrast, here in Genesis chapter 11, here they have individuals where, come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower with its top in the heavens. So they had disregarded or abandoned what God had prescribed to them for their initial responsibilities. And rather than toil from the ground, they set about to construct a city and a tower, all of which would not necessarily feed you, uh, but would certainly give you recognition. And interestingly enough, that idea of the top of, of heavens later on in the book of Genesis, and I'll just give you this reference to follow up on, this is described in relation to the man Jacob, who has a vision of an angelic ladder that connects uh, the, the earth with heaven, and the angels are, uh, are going up on this ladder and coming back down. And it's that language in the, in, in the heavens that he saw in a vision. But that was what the, the people were aspiring to do. They wanted to have their own identity. They wanted to make their own choices. They wanted to uh, determine their own future. And in, in, in essence, they were walking away from the, the clear commandments of God. Now, interestingly enough, these people which would go through a, a long period of history, who would ultimately uh, travel into the land, which we know is modern day Israel, 
would be subject to a captivity that would have disruptive effects, much like the occurrences in the Tower of Babel. And here the people would be uh, held captive by uh, the Babylonian kingdom, which would be operating in the vicinity of where that Tower of Babel uh, was first constructed back in the early chapters of Genesis. And here we have it recorded for us in Daniel chapter 1, which was one of the key prophets that was speaking during this period. In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, so there we've got that association all the way back to Genesis, came to Jerusalem and he besieged it. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand with some of the vessels of the house of God, and he brought them to the land of Shinar. So here are those articles of the worship that were associated with the temple of God as constructed by Solomon have now been uh, seized by the king of Babylon and they've been taken off his uh, trophies of war back to the land of Shinar to the house of his God and placed the vessels in the treasury of his God. And we might stop and think, well, what's the point? What, what is the association here from Daniel with earlier back in Genesis? Well, interestingly enough, the Babylonian uh, kingdom was very renowned for, in fact, constructing one of the seven wonders of the ancient world. And it's that which is depicted on the left-hand portion of the slide, at least in this timeline, which is described as the Hanging Gardens of Babylon. It was one of the seven wonders of the ancient world. Now, it wasn't that grand in elevation as compared to the Great Pyramid of Giza, but it was quite noteworthy and it was, a, uh, it was quite expansive in its overall footprint and was in fact something that the, the world marveled at because of its beauty. And if you look on the right-hand portion of the slide, you can follow that number two, and you can see where that is in fact shown on the upper right-hand portion of the slide. So what's the relevance here? Well, when archeologists started to dig in the area of Babylon, they came across some interesting associations. They saw that there was in fact uh, a large structure that was built for religious worship, which would have been the location that uh, these articles from the house of God in Jerusalem had been carted off to. And it's this, uh, this terrace structure that is in the left-hand portion of the slide. But I thought what was interesting within this artistic rendering of this slide, and we don't, aren't certain whether these two structures in fact appeared on the same location, but ultimately you can see the, the heritage, the looking back to the Tower of Babel as rendered in the, the background of this picture. That, that uh, telescoping structure was something that was, was shown in this slide. Um, once again, we, we, we can't be dogmatic that it in fact was there in the, the, the time of the King of Babylon, but certainly the, what had been built as part of the, the Hanging Gardens, which was the structure in the, in the foreground, showed that there was an association with this institution of, of worship, that it wasn't just a civil engineering enterprise. And interestingly enough, when we look at the, the King Nebuchadnezzar, later on in his reign, we have these interesting statements which echo back to what we have seen previously in Genesis 11. And we're told of King Nebuchadnezzar's humiliation. All this came upon King Nebuchadnezzar at the end of 12 months. He was walking on the roof of the royal palace of Babylon. And the king answered and said, Is not this great Babylon, which I have built by my mighty power as a royal residence and for the glory of my majesty? 
And you might stop and think about those phrases, which I have built, which showed his, his, his pride in what he was aspiring to do, much like that, that attitude of let us that we saw in Genesis 11. It was by his mighty power. It was the wielding of the, the human hand of innovation and their minds that compelled them to construct the Tower of Babel. And it's for the glory of my majesty, which was really what the people were striving to do. And you notice once again on that right-hand portion of the slide, even in this graphic, you've got that uh, terrace-type structure in the extreme background of the slide, which perhaps once again gives evidence that this structure could have been even present during the, the time of the king of Babylon. And when those Jews were transported to Babylon, what uh, a stark reminder of rebellion that would have uh, uh, given them in relation to their own history when looking back at the early chapters of Genesis. Now, King Nebuchadnezzar suffered for it. He was driven from among men. He was dwelling in the field. And that too sounds a lot like what we saw in Genesis 11. Their unity was broken. Their language was confused and they were pushed out or dispersed into all lands. And ultimately, it was this aspect of sovereignty, of respecting God's authority, was a feature that was, although not noted in Genesis 11, clearly is evidence here in Daniel 4, where we're told, until you know that the Most High rules in the kingdom of men and gives it to whom he will. So there's some interesting parallels there between this record in Genesis 11 and what we see here in the book of Daniel. Now, here's a picture of the present-day ruins of Babylon. Not uh, much beauty to, re to reflect upon, uh, but it shows the, the scale and the number of buildings that would have been uh, made up this overall landmass. Ultimately, many of the bricks would have been taken for building of, of other structures. But here's sort of a, an ongoing reminder of what would become of these structures as erected by the will of man. Now, interestingly enough, as we commented on, there may be some modern-day reappearance of this Tower of Babel. And when we look into Europe now, not within the, the environs of modern-day Iraq, within the European Union a Parliament, there's a tower that was of some uh, near half-billion euro investment to construct, which in many ways starts to bear resemblance to what we saw back in Genesis 11. Now, many of the uh, of the builders would have said that this was left in a, an unfinished condition so that it would indicate that the, the European project was incomplete. But ironically, it has many strong associations with the Tower of Babel. Here we have a unity of man that's trying to bring together as one united mindset peoples. The language hasn't been united, but the will, the motivation has and when we look at this, they often associate it with the type of circular structures that would be reminiscent of the Roman Colosseums. But interestingly enough, if you overlay that structure with what we saw from those artistic renderings of the Tower of Babel, there is perhaps a, a rather eerie similarity, which shows that this attitude of mind that is present today in society, in which man seeks to find his own way, establish his own future, fix his own destiny and step away from being obedient to the principles of God is not in fact a reoccurrence of the Tower of Babel. 
So we ask ourselves, what will be the rest of the story? And certainly time will tell. If you found this video helpful, then make sure to go to our website to find other Bible study materials. And also don't forget to take the quiz by using the link down below. If you take enough quizzes, you'll earn some awesome rewards, as well as some very useful Bible study tools. We at Bible Basics Webinar also specialize in individual and small group Bible studies. You can text us by using the phone number that's also down in the description, as well as our email to get more information about our Zoom and in-person classes. And of course, thank you so much for watching Bible Basics Webinar, where we use the Bible to learn about God. Thank you for joining us. We hope you found the episode helpful. Don't forget, most of these episodes are also available as videos on our video channel, cdvideo.org. So head over and take a look. If you have any comments or questions or suggestions, please get in touch or leave us a voice message. We love to hear your feedback. You can email us at bt f at cdvideo.org If you enjoyed the episode, then please share it with others. Until next time, may God bless you in your studies and your walk towards God's kingdom. Amen.